0: to another episode of the brutally speaking podcast, the official podcast of metalnexus.net. I am Dan and with me as always is John. What's going on tonight with you?
1: Ah, uh, apparently I'm just deciding to be an internet troll tonight.
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing, man. You know, people say things and John has feelings and sometimes those feelings just jump out at you.
1: I mean, to be fair, I feel like we've uh <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm not gonna give away too much just yet, but I will say, uh, this this past week, um, leading up with the Frankie Mary episode that we dropped a couple of days ago, uh, which blowing up. I, I would be a little bit disingenuous if I said I wasn't surprised, but I will say I was more expecting it to be about the solo EP dropping, not so much the Static X thing. Uh, but that's me personally. Um, yeah, or any of the crazy conspiracy stuff we talked about. Like none of that. Does. <laughs>
0: nope. <laughs> Anything. No.
1: No. Yeah. Uh I guess that's that's how it goes. The other thing though, interestingly enough, uh, if you follow us on our socials, um I've been posting about the Asley Dying show cancellation from a week ago now, I think it was, roughly. That you have. That's been getting a lot of attention on our, our Facebook page and it's kinda good because something that Dan and I definitely wanted to do was to try to get more engagement with whoever might be listening to us or might be following us on various socials. Something we keep noticing is the fact that sometimes when we share News, music news from other sites that actually gets a lot of people actively listening, even if it's something that we've kind of hashed a bunch already, or rehashed and re re rehashed at this point. But the interesting thing is, and you know, like Dan said on the hundredth episode Q and A uh, of Discography Discussion, asley Dying" has be kind of become the thing that Dan and I are kind of known for at this point. If you are a listener of Discography Discussion, I, I would genuinely say that's how a lot of people from Discography Discussion know me at this point.
0: Yeah, you're the guy that came on and talked for four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we talked about it. It's so funny, too, because, like, John and I, like, my opinion on the whole thing has changed a little bit. I'm a little bit less wary, you know, than I was when we did the episode. Because when we did the episode, I was staunchly like, this is never going to happen, blah, 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 blah. And then it kind of turned into one of those, like, well, whether it's whether I have any control over it or not, it is happening. And I'm just gonna have to deal with it you know, <laughs> in my right. own way, and uh but you know it, it's for a long time, I kind of felt like a lot of people really just saw John's point of view, especially like all the ticket sales and you know how how well received this band was whenever they returned, so to speak uh but we've actually gotten a little bit of uh a little bit of people that are a little bit more seeing it from my side of things um
1: sorry to cut you off, that's the funny thing though is. I was the minority on that episode of discography discussion, so to yes, me, you were. that's been pretty much my general reaction. From everybody, is I'm the minority, not the majority. So it's been interesting to, because I think even I said like when they did the European run, I would send you a thing like, "Holy shit, look at how much of this is sold out." I guess it's not like I guess there are more people like me that are like, "Ah, fuck it, I can look past that and just enjoy the music and forgive and forget, or not forgive and forget, but forgive, forgive." Um, in general, and I don't know. It, it's been interesting to go through and, and just kind of see a lot of the differing viewpoints. And, you know, I, I think I'm kind of looking at it from a lot bigger picture perspective than just, fuck Tim, and he, he doesn't deserve anything he's got, which is kind of foreshadowing for the episode coming up.
0: Well, I think really what it comes down to is you're either... All about forgiveness or not. I mean, it, it's not really my, I'm all about forgiveness. I think forgiveness is a beautiful thing. However, I can't expect everybody to forgive all things. You know what I'm saying? So I think people have very different ideas about what forgiveness means. And, you know, I'm all for Tim, you know, being forgiven. Uh, By these people, you know in his life that he's hurt, you know, even even being forgiven by his band members and stuff Uh, I'm all about that. However, I I do feel like there are consequences to actions That follow us throughout our entire lives, you know, you you make a bad bank investment You you know, you have to live with that consequence, you know Um, You take out student loans as a stupid teenager and you have to deal with those consequences for the rest of your life and then, you know, you read on the news about a guy that tried to kill his wife, but like now he's back on top. And I could see how that's kind of frustrating for people. And it might seem petty, but I don't think that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know if he deserves to be back on top, but I think that's kind of just up for the people to decide. And some people have decided it's fine and some people have decided it's not fine. So I think I think he's going to always have to deal with that throughout most of his career from here on out.
1: I understand where everyone's coming from. I'm trying to look at a way bigger narrative that I feel like everyone's kind of missing. Uh, or maybe I'm just – I don't know. I don't know. I think,
0: a... I think what it is, John, because we're going to be really real on this episode. Uh, <laughs> I think what it is is that you've got a very strong tendency to try to see the best in people. Try to. And I don't have that. fair enough i'm 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 a critic so i i try to find the worst in people and and so i think that that's the big divide that you know in an idealistic world yeah it's fine but the problem is is if your solution is that everybody moves on and forgives him it's kind of a slap in the face to the people that were affected
1: anything you do in life should have a learning aspect to it and I would like to think that if you were going to commit a crime, whatever, and you, it didn't happen or it did happen and you go to jail or whatever, that either one or two things happens. Either you think about how how everything would have played out, how everything would have affected everyone else outside of you, because really, I think we could all agree that those are very selfish things you're doing. You're thinking for yourself. You're not really thinking of anybody else. You're acting selfishly. And so I would hope that there would be some kind of a learning experience that someone could gain from all these things you get rehabilitated and you start learning more about yourself more about the situation how how your actions affect so many others and learn to start living a more selfless life looking for all the positives and things even out of negative situations which is what i think is the whole point of the rehabilitation thing as a whole I've well and I,
0: is attempted murder really a learning like is it something that you make into a learning experience because like, do you not know that murder's bad? Like, you're, you're 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 considering taking the life of somebody, not even not even a total stranger. Not that that's better, but like, <laughs> you know, you're you're talking you're talking about killing somebody that you you know spent an intimate amount of time with, mm-hmm. and and that at one point you loved and decided to spend the rest of your life with. So like, if you if you understand love. And you know I, Tim's not a stupid person. Like you, you read his, you read his lyrics, um, they're very they're very deep and and, and philosophical even at times. And um, his his social media posts and all that stuff is all very well articulated. Mm-hmm. So here's here's my biggest issue with Tim Lambises. He knew it was wrong. He got caught. Yeah, he's sorry. He's rehabilitated. All that. Yada 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 yada. But he revealed in getting caught to all of us that, oh, this is a dude that's capable of killing somebody. This is somebody that thought about it. Because I'm, I'm going to disagree on the, on the chemicals in his system and, you know, thinking being affected and all that stuff. I, I don't buy it because of how premeditated it all was.
1: Well, I think, uh, I think this is as good as any as uh, a spot because uh, this is a pretty intense episode. Uh, it's actually another one that Dan did by himself uh, with Scott from Zao and they cover a lot of ground so without further ado let's get into dan's conversation with scott of zeo and we will talk to you guys afterwards <music>
0: I have the pleasure this evening of talking with scott melinger of zeo how are you doing tonight
2: i am awesome and thank you for pronouncing my name right
0: <laughs> but uh speaking of weird ones i just got done listening to your newest well, it's not an album it's a seven inch oh, called yeah, yeah. decoding transmissions from the mobius strip
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: wow what a name what yes. a cover design i don't have the seven inch yet but it is coming but mm-hmm. the cool thing is is i got you know to listen to everything uh on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. well it's as savage as ever
2: mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> and
0: uh, definitely enjoy that and i guess what i want to dig into a little bit is um you know i've noticed like i was saying before we went on that you know i've got a stack of Zao seven inches now <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like you guys have been more or less hand-feeding us releases, you know, tiny releases. Was that, like, a active, like, a conscious decision, or was it just one of those, like, we need to get something out? I guess, like, perceptions of music releases have changed where you feel like you kind of have to drop a couple of things every now and again.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the landscape changed to make that more, uh, like, a thought in, like, the musician's mind that you need to have more stuff out. But, I mean... I think, too, our biggest issue is just that we tour so little that we need to be doing something to make us look as active as we really are. I mean, literally, I talk to Jeff and Russ and everybody uh, pretty much like at least three or four times a week about what we're doing and what we're trying to do. So even though, you know, we don't play a bunch, we're like always trying to figure out where we can play. (laughs) Right. We're always working on new material and thinking about how we're going to do that new material and, and what we can do with it. So... Um, but yeah, I think for us, the writing has been just happening so easily, and like we're we're having so much fun recording, and and our whole recording situation's so cool because like uh, we record with this uh, studio in Pittsburgh that uh, the engineer we're really close with, the owner of the place we're we're good friends with and close with, and our our mastering engineer. So like everybody is like a big team. So anytime we can have an excuse to hang out, <laughs> we, right. we do it. But We've just been lucky that a lot of this stuff. I mean, we're all like really—what's uh, the word to use here? We're really um, getting better and quicker at writing. Maybe I don't know. So like, there's just so, such a wealth of material that we want to try to get out of everything we can.
0: Right. Well, it's funny because everybody wants to. You know, the next question is, well, when's this new album going to drop? But the way mm-hmm. I look at the way I look at it has been like, well, you've basically given us a new album over yeah, the past little... however many i mean you gotta think it, you got pyrrhic which was five songs there was the flexi disc then there's the split and then we've got two new songs so we're already at eight songs yeah <laughs> you yeah. know and uh they're a little bit longer anyway you know like i noticed the two new songs are you know hitting like four and a half you know almost mm-hmm. five minute mark so it's not like it wouldn't be it's not basically a full length play time
2: yeah no no that's true i mean we the, the i mean the crazy thing is is we actually do have a full length <laughs> the works so this stuff either was like music that didn't feel completely right with certain things like so like we don't look at things as b-sides ever i think i've even talked about this before but we don't look at any of our songs as like b-sides or or like the ep is like oh it's like not good enough to be on a full length literally all it is is the vibe right so there's you know certain songs will vibe really well with each other and it'll it'll flow nice and we try really hard to like kind of do that so sometimes so, some of our favorite songs actually end up out of the vibe of the of certain other tunes. So they end up either doing, you know, we put an EP out or like this 7-inch that's coming out. Those two songs are some of our favorites, but they just didn't work with the rest of the stuff. Right. Um, they were a good precursor to the What's Coming But it just didn't feel when you when you mapped out the whole thing, the other songs worked together really well. And these two were the only ones that were like they kind of work on their own outside of it. So,
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense, because, I mean, if you look at, you know, like well-intentioned virus versus the Mm -hmm. songs that were on Pyrrhic Victory, you know, and Mm -hmm. my understanding is those songs were basically written in the same writing session and everything. But but they just recorded, but they they feel different. Yeah. You know, and they, they actually feel really well as a cohesive release on their own. I, that's exactly how we felt. Yep. Yeah, so it was uh, definitely an enjoyable experience, especially to get it so quickly after getting a new album was cool.
2: Yeah, it was nice. Like we try because we do since they were like written and recorded in the same batch, that stuff was pretty much done when Well Intention was done, and then there were a couple things we had to tweak. So you know they we knew those were going to be their own little set EP, so we could wait on some stuff, and then we ended up just finish them up and being able to get it out pretty fast. So,
0: As far as, you know, I noticed every, pretty much every Zaya release from Well Intentioned on has been a vinyl release. Um, would you say that the vinyl collectors are coming out in packs whenever you put something out? Do you sell more vinyl than you sell CD, or is it just kind of a 50-50?
2: Well, see, yeah, vinyl completely destroys our CD sales. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but I would say that, I mean, the downloads are still relatively on pace with everything so um but I do I we definitely see you know people are really vinyl crazy right now which to me I mean I never understood I've always been vinyl crazy so I never understood the idea of like not wanting that just because of I mean there's so much to what vinyl is outside of just the music of it cuz yeah. like you know most artists when they do records I mean the cover art is extremely important the lyrics are unbelievably important like everything you do around the release is important so like when you end up releasing a record even on a cd format like you've just taken this awesome art and you've shrunk it down like eight times right yeah (laughs) and then like even worse when you just do an mp3 record or you whatever like a, a digital record it's even smaller and it's like almost inconsequen- I don't know, inconsequential what the cover is, is. You can't even see it, you know? So, yeah, so yeah for us, man, like the vinyl uh, format is just all – we've always all loved that and we're really happy to be doing it. So,
0: Yeah, I'm happy to keep getting them. You know, they're, yeah. they're relatively inexpensive to me and they – you know, you get songs that you're not really going to get anywhere else.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with vinyl, I used to th- – I, the one good thing about all this like music's business crash is, I think that prices have come back down to earth. Kinda. Oh yeah, yeah, for you know sure. what I mean? Because like CD making was such a rip off, really. When you look at it, you know, selling CDs for nineteen bucks when it costs like a dollar thirty to make them, um, and then plus you have your recording costs, whatever. But like, they CDs should have never been that expensive. Vinyls a little more, but we still like the price points work out so well that that you can still make some money on it if you're only selling it for like 20 bucks. And and to me, the $20 on a vinyl record, you're getting so much more out of that than out of anything else. But
0: Yeah, that's a steal. I mean, I think when I bought Well Intentioned, it was like 20 bucks with shipping, or yeah, 25 yeah. with shipping. So yeah, 20 yeah, for yeah. the record, 5 for shipping. But yeah, to to be getting stuff that cheaply now, and it's funny because when vinyl first started to resurface, it, it's funny to me that they'd have some really crappy old... Uh, or they'd have like this vinyl on sale for 30 bucks or 40 bucks and then they would be they'd have the record players next to it and they're all like these like suitcase record players that sounded like crap that like you oh, couldn't yeah. you know, they had like almost like plastic little styluses on and stuff oh, and garbage.
2: I mean I, I I've always been kind of offended too by like how labels push like 180 gram like that's
0: some top Oh better. yeah <laughs> like,
2: if, as long as you have a good cut 180 gram means absolute zero
0: the only thing I like about 180 gram vinyl is that it is, it does seem to be a little bit sturdier as far as um, it has nothing to do with the sound at all. So like that's all lies. Like, yeah, I but, mean, uh, I do like that they're a little bit more sturdy, a little bit more robust, but that's kind of yeah. the only benefit. Like it's thicker, so it's thicker. So it feels a little cooler. Yeah. It's, it's the weirdest thing.
2: Yeah. You gotta be careful with that, that stuff. It, like I said, it doesn't really change any of the, uh, the audio sound, but it, it's a it's actually a little more unforgiving
0: so well what's funny about a lot of the reissues too is that a lot of the time it's like they just took the cd and pressed it to vinyl and the worst like and that's usually the ones that are like it's 180 gram I know. and then you listen to it and you put the t. you put the cd you're like why does the cd sound better yeah than this vinyl version (laughs) there's
2: i mean that's that right there is the exact reason why we do everything like we do it because it's so important to do things correctly and if you do them correctly from the beginning you get a way a million times better product
0: right well speaking on that i'm gonna mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna jump into the elef- elephant in the room there was last year there was this announcement of the funeral of god vinyl um essentially funeral of god was going to be released uh on vinyl by what was it was it tragic hero records yeah tragic okay hero, yeah, yeah. And uh, they were going to re-release it, and um you know hopefully everybody pre-ordered, but you know, hopefully not, depending on how you yeah, interpret actually, this story, yeah. but uh you know, we all pre-ordered and we waited and we waited and we waited and then nothing and then nothing and then nothing and um so I just kind of wanted to to get a little bit of your perspective on um on how that process went
2: so well, like we were just talking about, like a lot of people that do reissues for bands will do them horribly they will Either, you know, do the cover because they don't have the original elements, so they'll make the cover all pixelated and crappy, or Mm -hmm. they'll take the CD and use that as their um, main master for the vinyl, which is totally wrong and, you know, will make it sound horrible. So, anytime we can be involved in any way, we try to especially now that's why we do our records ourselves because we know exactly how they're working right um so first and foremost i would say that like initially when this all brought was brought to us and we talked about doing this we do i really have to i do appreciate uh tragic hero for wanting to take on that big responsibility so like you know, a lot of stuff has happened, and we, we are really, really upset, and a lot of it is their you know, their fault and the even the bigger Rhino label fault. But it's still like nobody was chomping at the bit to do this because of the price it would cost, because of the licensing fees and all that stuff. So the fact that they came to us wanting to do it was really cool and really exciting and really exciting for us to be able to be involved with these small aspects of it. So we wanted to be involved in like helping get all the original elements to the to the uh, artwork because you know we're still friends with the Clark brothers and those guys did so many of our records we I could I literally emailed Ryan and Don and they had all the elements for everything we could get oh, wow. everything that yeah it was like high res so it would be it would look beautiful like it wouldn't be any issue you know so we took that on ourselves um, we actually spent money to get the the original audio mastered for vinyl. Oh wow. So, yeah, so the Funeral of God record wouldn't it wouldn't just have been a CD rip. It would have it was actually mastered by the original mastering uh engineer to make it, you know, for vinyl master. And then we I I don't know, I I think Rhino had their guy do the lacquer cutting, so we we weren't able to get our guy to do the lacquer cutting, which would have been way cooler for us. But um, So yeah, we went and did all these steps to try to make everything the best we could, but that was pr- pretty much our main involvement. Everything else was Tragic Hero. Like We really didn't have anything to do with the pre-order stuff. We didn't do anything. The only thing we did was because our band camp had so many... Uh, people that have already ordered from us like so you know we released well-intentioned virus and we released pre victory so we had all this big email list of our fans that were right. going to buy uh, tragic hero wanted to have a way to get into those people so they would know that this thing existed so we offered our band camp that they could use to go through for the pre-orders not that we would get anything but it would go through our band camp and straight to tragic hero so our you know, we have nothing to do with, like, the pre-order money or none of that stuff. Like, we basically were kind of just a a proxy for the, for people to be able to get to Tragic Hero. And we were under the impression that everything was all ready to go. Right. You know, we, we were told that, yeah, the, all the licensing stuff's done. Rhino is on board. Uh, Tragic Hero told us, like, what his deal was going to be, how many he... Originally was only going to have to press like, you know, because it's not it's not cheap. Nobody was going to make that much money because it had to be done in a certain way. You know, like it would be a very small amount of profit, but it would be worth it because we really wanted that record on vinyl. Right. And and to be honest with you, the main reason we wanted funeral on, on vinyl was we were hoping that that would be the stepping stone to have the one record we actually did on tape. purposely to have it on vinyl be on vinyl
0: right the fear yeah
2: yeah, like our eyes were set to like okay if we can get funeral out and that goes okay we can convince uh tragic hero possibly to put fear out and that record is i mean we actually already have the master for the vinyl because we did it with a guy that that's his whole thing right so (laughs) long story short sorry but yeah so it wasn't really brought to our attention until later on in the process that things weren't totally legitimate to where we thought they were. I mean, they're legitimate. Tragic Hero is a subsidiary of Warner Rhino and all that stuff. So they do work with that label. But the amount of records that Tragic Hero was going to have to press, the amount of money it was going to cost, he had to have all the money up front, all this crazy stuff. And we only pre-ordered so many. So there wasn't enough there for the whole pressing. I see. So... So they're back and forth now. This is why I, th- I think the emails go out that like we don't know when it's coming, but it is coming because they're still arguing back and forth trying to figure it out. Right. And it puts us in a really shitty situation because we have nothing to do with it. We don't have any of the money and we're more pissed off than anybody else. Like we are just as mad as any fan that put their money in. Um, and so what we try to do is everybody that asks us anything, we're completely transparent and answer them. Um, sure yeah you know we've also argued like just you know go at tragic hero yell at them send them tweets do whatever you want to do and now they finally they did put up an email for questions about it and, and people can get refunds if they want it so yeah you know we're trying we're trying and i think they're trying to make everything as as good as they possibly can but the biggest bummer of all of it is we still want the record to come out. And yeah. it's it still may come out, but right now we don't have any any solid information that it will be coming out.
0: So yeah I'm Hopefully. still holding out. I'm yeah, just holding like, out because it's like, dude, I gave that money up you know a year ago. I don't even really care about it anymore, but I guess in my mind, if it does come out, the limited capacity at which it will come out will make that thing like a holy grail you know yeah maybe <laughs> i
2: I would hope so and I do think that regardless of what happens, everything is totally uh i mean they have everything accounted for, so if it comes a time when they do No, 100%. It's not coming out. They will probably issue refunds to everybody that haven't asked already. Right. Um, Because that label is a working label. Tragic Hero releases records. They don't want a stain on them. You know, like... and Essentially, if they don't refund money, if they're not going to provide a product that you're stealing... (laughs)
0: Right. Well, and Zayo doesn't want to stain either, you know, and that's the
2: really it's it's been somewhat of a stain on us, even though we haven't really had anything to do with that side of it, which sucks because we we are going to get the brunt of it because it is our shit and our record and our, you know, our name. And and we probably haphazardly let them use our band camp, not thinking it was going to turn into this.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah.
2: You know, but like I said, we didn't like all the money went to the Tragic Hero stuff. We were just a proxy that it went through. And we're working as hard as we can to try to get answers and and force as much as we can to get things done. Um, Because it is, I mean, we don't, we definitely don't want it on us. And like, and it's proven fact, I mean, if we are going to do stuff, we do it. You know, we, every record that we've put out on our own label on our own has come out on time and mailed immediate. Uh, This new seven inch we did, um, you know, we actually had it in hand before we even put it up. Uh, the split has taken a little bit longer. That wasn't us either. That was uh, Mind Over Matter, but that was a legitimate vinyl plant delay because yeah. because vinyl is so popular right now. A lot of these plants are having trouble uh, keeping up with the demand. So I know you know I know Austin really well. We love Austin. Mind Over Matter does everything they can to make things as awesome as they can, and it was 100% just. Just a delay in, in plant.
0: So, yeah, they're coming yeah. out now. I think. Yeah, they're oh. shipping. They're
2: shipping now. So he he beat. He didn't meet his deadline that he wanted to, but but we knew there wasn't going to be an issue with that one. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm still mine. I think mine's coming on Tuesday. I want to say. Awesome. Something We've like seen, that. We've seen like
2: pictures of them. God, oh, they're they're gorgeous. They look oh, great. Yeah. yeah, I got yeah, the blue.
0: Yeah, like the blue swirl. Oh,
2: nice. Yeah, yeah. He. He has like yeah. They do some of the
0: was final speaking to that i had just recently seen you i guess it wasn't recently but i guess pretty recently uh saw you guys in Indy. um mm, yeah and that was um in my opinion probably the best live Zao set that i've seen
2: oh nice and i had actually
0: <laughs> seen it was funny because i had just seen you guys a couple of months prior to that and i, I don't think mm-hmm. that, i don't think that that's I, you know i didn't think that one sucked in comparison or anything but it was um one of the things I noticed that was different that something I had really never seen before is I'm not sure who was queuing it up. I guess it was Jeff, but you guys were actually playing like the sound clips yeah. from the yeah. albums in between the songs, which like yeah. really added to the experience. And I had never seen that before.
2: Yeah, we, you know, number one, Zayo's not a like we're we're we proud ourselves on just being like a live band, so there isn't like We don't have a click track or anything playing. Usually it's just us. We get up there and we do what we're going to do. But we definitely did feel that there are times in our set where we're old dudes. We need to take a little bit of a break. And if there's nothing going on, it's just boring. Right. (laughs) So we uh, we've always wanted to have I mean, I think Jeff has had that machine. I forget what the hell it is. I can't (laughs) remember the, the name of it's one of the everybody uses it's a it's a really awesome sampler and um but like we've always wanted to have all that cool shit that we do on the records like live so we figured out a way where it didn't we didn't have to have anything in ears or any of that stuff because we don't use in ears or any of that right. kind of crap and jeff kind of we practiced with it and got comfortable with it and he added all the stuff he could add and yeah, I, I think we're going to be doing. I mean, that's going to be how it is from now on. We'll always have that thing doing some stuff, but we're going to try to do like cool stuff that doesn't necessarily come from the records all the time. And you know, this uh, with some of the newer stuff too. Like, there's going to be like just weird sounds and shit that's going on while we're playing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. That's cool.
2: Yeah, so there's gonna we're gonna try to incorporate it in a way where it's not, you know, cheesy or anything, but but definitely give a different atmosphere to the to the live performances
0: yeah no it was definitely cool because i you know and one thing i noticed that jeff was doing was kind of faking out the audience like mm-hmm. playing clips of playing clips that would normally be in front of a certain song you know he'd play it and then you guys would go into a totally different song and it's like oh yep. you know yep. Yep. that was um, i'd say probably the best part of that show for me was um the ghost psalm At the very end where, like, everything goes black and you just hear that, you know, you want to make a deal, deal with the devil. And then it's just, (laughs) you know, uh, and just the whole place blew up. But, uh, you know, I know you guys are touring, you know, in a more limited capacity. You know, you almost wouldn't even call them tours. Is that something that you found has been a little bit more? I mean, obviously, you guys all have jobs and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, real real life outside the band is that just because that's easier for you or is it actually better for the band to to show up in a limited capacity like if you maybe would get better turnouts doing that than you know playing like a full like three month tour you know it's hard
2: to say i i originally thought that you know Zao playing in a limited capacity we would have bigger better turnouts because you they would be a little more special than just normal month here and then I'll, we'll be back in like a month and a half right? because you know? there's a lot of bands that are able to do that I, I mean but it, I, I think it's actually that's the what's kind of hurting us right now is that we aren't like always like you know consistently on the road I think if we were consistently on the road it'd be a little bit better for us to be honest with you at, for the band but it wouldn't be better for us in our life
0: <laughs> right <laughs> like, yeah. you know,
2: what goes on because yeah I mean being in a in a band that's the size of of Zayo isn't you we're never going to you're not going to make enough money to like totally just live off of that which sure. is totally fine. I don't think anybody deserves or is you know you're not owed shit. I mean, really. It being in a band is a total privilege and to be able to do it at all is insane, especially to do it as long as we have and have people still care about it. So we look at being in this and doing this as like a total privilege so since we know and we kind of we understand how this works for us we just have to make it work in any way we can because we want to play and we want to do it but we aren't we know we're never going to be able to do it in a way where this is the only thing we'd have to do right so yeah with job with like you know work schedules um you know three of us have kids um dan and jeff have little little ones i my daughter's a little older so it's not as hard for me, but it's still tough to, you know, find babysitting situations, all that kind of stuff. And just life. I mean, I'm first and foremost, we're dads like that. That's the most important thing. So like, I don't want to be gone uh, more than I have to be. I want to be a dad and I want to be home. So, um, but we're unbelievably honored that people still want to come see us no matter how big, how many people there are. I don't, if there's 10 people to like 200 people. I don't care. Um, we'll play. So we just had to come up with a creative way to make sure everybody was able to do it. And, and this is the right now, the most feasible way for us to do it. That does not necessarily mean that, you know, we won't ever get back out and do a more lengthy run. Like we actually last year that when you saw us in Indy, we were trying out, that was like almost a two week run, which is the longest run we've done. Um, And it was awesome, and we were able to take out, be out with bands that we really enjoyed ourselves, and um, I think the hardest thing for us doing, like, the shorter little runs is finding, a, like, a band to partner with, because a lot of bands are, like, full-on, they're already touring already, so, like, why would they want to do a weekend with us?
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? Notoriety, that's why.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know if we even have that anymore, but yeah right now this works best for us if anything if if we can do more trust me we will do more um and and we're we hopefully will i think we're gonna see what happens with this next stuff with the next record coming out and you know if it if the opportunity arises i mean we're we are more than willing to take take the chance and see how it goes but
0: well, and speaking to your, you know, the band being a privilege thing, it was a really interesting way of wording it because it's making me think about another issue that's been unfortunately been blowing up my news feed and keep getting messages from people. What do you guys think about this? The there's this whole thing with Azalea dying coming back.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Recently, there was a um, a show in Memphis where they basically said, "Nah, we don't want you guys in our town." Yeah, I <laughs> and. Saw that. Um, you know, and it's it's a topic that we've beaten to death on this podcast, and my other podcast. We did an Asley dying episode that was like Wait, like two hours longer than it needed to be um because because <laughs> yeah, normally we're just there to talk about the music and you know that's it but you know we couldn't yeah. not talk about all that stuff and yeah i made a bunch of statements about how that band definitively would never return you know in the form that we know it in and and that and that was fine with me and all this stuff <laughs> you know then literally like the next day you know be, they they'd yeah. drop a song and all that stuff but um, I was just wondering, you know, what what the perspective is, you know, um, from a band that doesn't have people in it that have been convicted and served time uh, for attempted murder. Um, what that looks like as far as, like, could it, how you could imagine a, a whole town basically collectively being like, don't come here.
2: Don't come here, yeah. Oh, I can totally understand it, and I'm not going to act like I'm not, you know, for them canceling it. I think the hardest thing for me is that Nick – Phil, Jordan, and I'm not even sure who is playing bass with them now. Because when I taught, when we toured with them, it was a guy named Clint. But I, I know they changed their bassist. Yeah. But Nick, Phil, and Jordan are literally the best three human beings ever. Um, Nick is, I mean, it just, those guys are some of the best dudes I've ever met in playing music. And I never in my wildest imagination with with what I I I mean with what little I know. Whatever. I never thought those dudes would ever get back with that guy. I really never thought so. Um, but I understand the the blood having music in your in your blood. And I understand the hard work that that, that group of guys took on themselves to do As absolutely dying and make and bring it and turn it into what it became. I mean, that band was one of the biggest metal bands at one time. Oh yeah. It. So the allure of, of that, I, it, it's hard to, to argue. It, it sucks, man. Cause it's like, you can't win or like it's, it's a, it's a lose, lose proposition yeah. really in my opinion, because do I think those guys deserve to be a band? I think Nick, phil and jordan deserve anything and everything that they get because they're the best dudes ever right do i think tim lambesis deserves to be in a band fuck no (laughs) um that dude wouldn't be in a band if he went through with what he tried to go through right um you know if if he ended up not talking to a cop and talking to a real dude like his wife might not be here right and and it's hard for me to like even rationalize or or any of that kind of stuff and i get it it's real it's real easy now to look back on it and say i'm sorry and and you know i'm repentant like if he would have if it would have worked out that she would have been taken care of that it's on it's done like what are you going to repent for then
0: you know right yeah
2: so but it's 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 just such a hard thing to think about because like I said I love those three guys so much I I, they're the some of the best dudes ever and I want to see them succeed in everything they do just it's a really big time bummer that they had to get involved with that guy and that and Tim to turn into the guy he turned into and now like to be in the situation they're in Um, but I think as you saw like yeah, you know, I think it was Memphis, right? Memphis canceled them? Yeah. So, I mean, Memphis canceled them, and that's the way it should go. Memphis want, doesn't want them there? Good. They don't get to go there. And it sounded like the band was like, yeah, that's fine. We, don't, we totally understand. We won't play it. Um, yeah. They canceled the show. And I think <sighs> you just, you know, <laughs> the marketplace, you got... If people are going to be willing to go see them, okay, but anytime... Somebody doesn't want you there, man, you, that's you're going to have to take that and deal with it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean and to yeah, to their credit, you know, they were very, you know, even Tim has said like I totally understand why people feel that way and doesn't get mad about it or or anything like that or at least not publicly mad about it mm-hmm. or or whatever, but you know, I think the thing that struck me as odd about the whole thing was, you know, I watched their they had a, they did a video um on YouTube where they all sat down and had to explain like why, oh, you yeah. know they all got back together again and um
2: that's a rough watch
0: that's it is tough to watch because it's like and I remember me and Joe were watching, actually we we had just gotten done recording discography discussion we we pulled it up on the monitor and watched the whole thing and we were like uh, I remember Joe being like he's way too comfortable talking about this. like you know in in such a public setting but i think the weirdest thing about all of it is that like the fan reaction has totally like been so different than what i would have expected i i kind of thought that people would just be like you know you and i are about it like hey tried to kill his wife end of story
2: yeah well i mean we live this whole every i'm not surprised with the way this world is now and the, the way our country's reacting to the craziest stuff I've ever seen in my life.
0: Very true. Um,
2: you know, so I mean, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, yeah, I, I thought there would be more of like an outcry of like, what is this guy? Like, cause to me, and I, I, I forget whatever I, 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 did a podcast about this with somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but we talked about this and I said, you know, everybody going on YouTube underneath that video, oh, who deserves a second chance? Yeah, he got it. He's not in jail. Yeah. Like he should be in jail. So like his second chance is not having to be in jail. You don't get to like go be Mr. Rockstar guy again. And, and I don't even know if that's I, I mean, you know, hopefully the dude's like completely honest and legitimate and and you know, understands what what this all is. Ah, who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully but, it's all true, right? You know, it's like Yeah. I mean, Oh, it's just so,
2: such a gross situation.
0: I know when me and John talked about it, we brought, uh, for some reason, as we always do on my other podcast, we brought religion into it and, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like this and this and this. And it's like, he's like, how can you be, you know, a religion all about forgiveness and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, dude, if, if, if Tim wants to be square with the Lord, he can be square with the Lord, Yeah, why? but it doesn't mean he has to be square with me. I mean, I don't know him personally, so it's not Mm -hmm. like a, a, a big thing. Uh, you know, it shouldn't matter to him whether I forgive him and it shouldn't matter to me whether or not (laughs) I forgive him, you know, so it's just a, I guess it just kind of boils down to who are, you know, you're either comfortable forgiving somebody that tried to commit murder or you're not. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, really. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it boils down to. I'm, I'm not, I think it's horribly disgusting. I think the idea that I think what bothers me even more than I – mean, well, nothing bothers me more than the idea of killing your wife. But just just the, the complete, like, uncaring of what he's doing to his kids and, like, this idea that, like, your wife can be even – like, the fact that you could even, like – bring that into your brain. Right. You, the disrespect that you have to have for somebody that they they mean so little to you that you would be willing to pay somebody to do something to them. Right. You know, like
0: uh, you can't chalk that up to roid rage.
2: Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a premeditation. That's not like I'm mad at the moment. Like, dude, I'm not a wrestling fan at all, but like Chris Benoit, that's road rage or road right. rage. Right. That's the dude killed his family while he was, going crazy it was just this automatic quick thing not that it it relieves any that's not an excuse but that's what it is
0: no it's a difference though you know yeah
2: yeah going to somewhere meeting with somebody that is a totally different ball game
0: right so yeah i don't know I'll yeah i'll get off of that but uh <laughs> I, I wish i could entirely but it's just every every single day it's like i'm just another there's another easily dying thing and since i did a podcast episode about it every time a news thing comes up hey bro you read this you know yeah and it's like yeah yeah i talked about that band for four hours i'm done you know <laughs> yeah. um but I'll, I'll i'll switch to a less controversial uh topic here where you know recently a a, a a member of a very prominent band came forward and said in a podcast interview, and I think jokingly he said it that that Treyu invented metalcore. Oh yeah, I
2: remember and
0: that. Uh, and I was wondering what your reaction was to you know people getting on the Zayo page and saying that they feel that that Zao created metalcore. You know, do you feel is that is that surprising to you that fans would think that or? I mean,
2: I don't know. I I think we were doing something cool, but I don't think we invented anything. And I don't like even I think Jeff even brought it up like. You know, metal core was probably invented well before any bands that we even liked were, you know, like Bad Brains was pretty much adding metal to like hardcore music. Right. Black Flag was adding metal to hardcore music. And yeah. then even, you know, after that, if you want to, you know, there were bands like Overcast and Dead Guy. And I mean, all so many hardcore bands that were adding metal influence to the to their music. Rorschach was one of them. I loved that band when I was
0: younger. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, I don't know who who invented it.
0: <laughs> I mean, really, it's I don't think anybody weird. sat down one day and was all like, "I'm going to invent a new style." Let me pull yeah. these blueprints out, and yeah.
2: Dude, honestly, yeah. I think what it was is like, for us and a lot of the bands that like paved the way for us and that we were inspired by, like we were all. I like I was a metal kid that really thought like the metal idea was was more like a like punk ethic DIY kind of stuff so like to me that's that's where metalcore was kind of born was bands that like were doing stuff on their own and and slugging in punk hard, like shows cuz that's kind of what you wanted to do without having to be in some sort of like bigger atmosphere or whatever yeah. and we just were metal bands you know um but yeah i to me like anybody that gets on and talks about being first at anything like seriously man <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean you, you nobody's first at anything there's so many levels and onion peeling an onion away of like influences that yeah that's crazy to say out, you invented something
0: well yeah and i again i think it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek answer that he gave because you know mm-hmm. when somebody when somebody pulls you onto a podcast and just like who invented metalcore you know we did. Oh, yeah. I did, you know, mm. like I I would say that if somebody asked me that while we were having lunch, you know, just like mm. you know. It's just so funny with all the all the terms and styles because I I know that up until about 2005 in my mind metal was just metal and you know it, it encompassed anything from Motley Crue to Napalm Death, you know.
2: That's how it should be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. I I
2: totally back that idea. I yeah. think all of it's dumb. I think sub-genres are stupid. We should just you know if it's heavy and, <laughs> and right. there's screamy stuff or if there's not screamy stuff whatever if it gets, yeah you can anything's metal to me i don't care
1: yeah
0: i think uh in wrapping up uh, yeah i do want to talk a little bit about you said you guys kind of have a new album in the can is there anything you're willing to tell me about that
2: well all the guitars have been recorded for it drums are done i mean essentially all we really have to do now is bass and get dan in there and, and have him do his vocals. So. Cool. Uh, we were hoping to get it out by the end of the year but that may or may not still happen um, if if it does come out it'll be later in the year um, but but we might even end up depending on what we see because there's a dude there's so many records supposedly coming out yeah like this year and probably going to be a ton next year so right you know but, but yeah we're trying not to get bogged down in all the sea of releases but but hopefully, once we get it all done and all that kind of stuff, it, it won't be, it'll be sooner than later.
0: Do you record your vocals in the same session as Dan's? We do them separately. Okay. Um,
2: but I always, you know, everything that I do is always reliant on Dan. Like, it's never, you know, I'll come with ideas, but Dan's the final say if it's going to actually stay. Like, there's some times where I'll have vocal parts and he has a screamy part that works better and we'll just drop the vocal part. So, um, so yeah, we'll... Actually, that's kind of some of the process that we're going through now is like finding out for sure what where I would be and what he's going to do and if he we're going to do things together hopefully and right. trying to do some neat stuff. So
0: as far as as far as like melodic vocals in Zao, what what was it that made you decide that you know I think that Zao needs to have melodic vocals mm-hmm. or was it you that came up with it? You know, it was, it's I assume just because you did them that you came you know came with that idea.
2: Well, I think I think really what it, the the music kind of let it happen you know like we because yeah. i we're all some fans of so much other stuff that like i always wanted to in, incorporate like a more melodic sung vocal and it just took a while to figure out the best way to do it because you know, even with funeral which is my first attempt at doing it and i was really really green and it was you know a whole new thing to me but i ended up like you know i was listening to like foo fighters and muse and stuff so we like ended up using like horsey singing parts right you know some of it was cool some of it was maybe eh. (laughs) and then you know as i progressed in adding it like i've started to maybe like understand better how to add it so it doesn't pull away and then i have also just gotten better from like practice and practice and learning better learning more about singing so um yeah i don't know we like now i i I really want to use it more as like a part of the instrumentation more than like, Oh, here's a chorus coming. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, the song kind of dictates if we're going to do, do it or not.
0: So. Yeah. It's definitely more atmospheric now. You know, it's just mm-hmm. part of the overall soundscape, which I think is yep. cool. Cause like really like that song apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I, I hear that the most is as far as being like just a part of the song more so than yeah. like, okay guys, here's the, here's the pretty part. Now here's the, you know, Here's yeah. the contrasting, you know, snarly part you know. And uh, yeah, we,
2: we definitely want to try to stay away from that typical back and forth kind of stuff.
0: In in actually wrapping up, uh mm-hmm. where where are you guys planning on going next? Is there anything in the works for uh for touring?
2: We do leave for next weekend we were playing Uh, Aura Fest in Savannah, Georgia, so that'll be fun. That's right, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of bands that we've... I mean, Evergreen Terrace we've toured with, so we're really excited. Fit for an autopsy. we played some shows with. Oh, they're so good. Revenge Season, Holy Gold. There's a ton of cool bands that are going to be playing there. Old Wounds, we've actually played with them, so I'm excited to see them again. Sweet. Um, So, yeah, we're going to do that. And then we are now... Actually, tomorrow, me, Jeff, and our booking agent, Daniel, have a little call in to do figure out if we're going to do you know, what, what portion of the country we want to get to. Cause the one place we haven't been yet is Northwest. So yeah, we were thinking about trying to figure out a way to get up there this year. And then, and we were also thinking about like, is there anything like sort of South mid, like, cause like St. Louis was kind of good for us before. So there's oh, a couple. Dude,
0: <laughs> that would be, that'd be amazing. I could go yeah. to work the same day I go and see Zayo. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that we, we've actually thought of a route that would hit st louis that would maybe work so sweet a couple things we're trying to figure it out
0: well if you come to st louis uh we will the discography discussion guys anyway will bring you beer I love it. Yeah, so that will be uh, something to look forward to. May not pay your bills, but might make the day go a little bit better for you. That's usually all we care about anymore. (laughs) Well, well, thanks so much, Scott, for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I know you guys are busy doing stuff, and you got that release going out. Well, hopefully you guys can catch Zayo out on the road sometime soon, especially if you haven't seen him recently. They should be rolling into your town eventually. Yes, sometime, next five years. And that was my chat with Scott Mellinger of Zeo. That's right, it's Mellinger, not Mellinger. Uh, what
1: did you think about that chat, John? It was it was interesting leading up to this because I wasn't sure how this one was going to go because you had some critiques uh, upon listening to your first episode with Brandon Kellum. But uh, as a whole, like I definitely thought it was uh, really good. Uh, I thought the the vinyl stuff obviously is a uh, is a big thing that that band has been going through um, the past what three months now four months
0: yeah i mean and that was the main reason i asked him to be on the show was i was really worried about like the stain that that had put on the band and i just wanted to hear a member of the band in a podcast format you know really talk it talk it out and explain that like dude, they asked us if we could if they could put it out we said great put it out you know we consulted with him it was all good and then one day it just wasn't (laughs) and uh you know, it, it's just been someone in limbo and, uh, you know, I feel bad even the, um, they had a split vinyl, a split seven-inch come out that a lot of people hadn't gotten yet. People are just starting to get those finally. Yeah. Um, but you know that was like a legitimate like plant delay and all that. Like those records are still coming out. They're still like a real thing.
1: Yeah. Uh It seems like everything's going good with that, and I've never known Austin to uh to have any issues with any of his stuff outside of like just straight up like the plant fucks something up. It's it's not due to shady business dealings or just yeah. No, they're good. Dark.
0: They're a good label. I mean, it's not anything weird. And it's funny, even even Tragic Hero with the Funeral God debacle, really, they're not a bad label either. It's just a really bad circumstance for everybody involved. So um you know for all the people that are still holding out, I think I even said on the interview I was like, well I'm still holding out for mine. Yeah,
1: so um, you get your refund like sent to you, just like yeah hey, this isn't happening. You're gonna be like fuck.
0: Yeah, I mean not really like dude that's money that was spent so long ago like it doesn't even matter at this point. Like if I get it great, if I get the refund great, like who cares? But I really would like to see it come out because like I told Scott, you know if if it's only released in that limited capacity, like only people that pre-ordered, it's gonna be a holy grail of a release. So you know for me that that's totally worth. Being the, being the massive fan of the band that I was or yeah. am,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing too that I still thought was, am, yeah, that I thought was pretty interesting was actually Scott making the comment about being, you know, even at a band the size of Zeo, you know, they're not owed shit. You know, what you've done or what you will do doesn't dictate how big of a band you can or can't be. You're not owed anything. It's really commendable the fact that it hasn't jaded, you know, Scott and the and the Zeo dudes that they're still just as humble and hungry as they were. When they started, I think speaks to the character of those guys and why the long, long-lasting legacy of the band has withstood other bands that have come and gone in that time span.
0: Well, yeah, it was so profound. Like when he said that, like you're not, you're not owed anything, and that, that's kind of what like, got my brain going about, like, oh man, I'm still reading through all these eyes dying comments and, and all this stuff, and I'm like, you know, that this is a perfect example of you know, not privileged because I don't think that Tim and the guys in that's dying are acting like, I don't think that they're acting bad and I don't think that they're handling the situations bad, but it is kind of a matter of like, does somebody deserve to be given the platform that they're given? And, you know, it just kind of reminded me, you know, of like what Scott was saying about not being owed anything. And yeah, so it, it's just interesting, you know, um, an interesting parallel there, and he he definitely gave his thoughts uh, <laughs> on that <laughs> whole situation. Yeah, and um, but you know, I, I I did like the positivity he threw onto it, where he's like, you know, um, to, you know, so you're the other dudes in the band are so rock solid, you, you feel like you need to at least support them, you know, like
1: right. Yeah, yeah, that was like the big takeaway, and, and ultimately, obviously, now that you're on the other side of this this interview that we did, I think you kind of understand between the posts that we made on our Facebook before the uh, Scott Millinger episode was done, and now subsequently, since it's been done, and Dan obviously sent it to me, and I listened to it and edited it and everything, I think you kind of understand a little bit more why we've just been so in- ensconced and in this show cancellation what it means from the fans perspectives and you know you know plenty of people in the in the scene itself have talked about this whole thing but it's always interesting because it's usually either singling out oh jordan's really cool or nick's really a solid dude you know you i've not really heard anyone and maybe it's just because they haven't had the platform like scott has on this to kind of speak at length unfiltered about everything
0: yeah, yeah, and you know he he handled it with with the the, the gentleness and that that he has about him. Um, Scott's literally like one of the best dudes to talk to in this type of music, just because there is no there's no big head, there's no ego maniac. You know, you're literally after talking to dude for five minutes, you're like, this guy's just basically a guy that likes heavy music, happens to be in one of the most pioneering bands in the genre. You know, but it just happens to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and and that's what's so cool about it, and um, it, it's always fun uh, with Scott. It's also really easy to just want to talk about mundane things. And, oh, there was uh, plenty of that
1: at the end that I cut out. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Like we were talking about our favorite TV shows and stuff, and uh, yeah, you guys didn't have to hear all that. But yeah, it, it basically. You know, he's so easy to talk to that, you know, a subject like this with the Asley dying thing, I had to actually, you know, make sure that I was in line even asking a question like that, because I'm, I'm not doing it for the big headline or whatever it is, because it seems like anytime we say anything now, it ends up on a headline. And, uh, you know, I, I think w- with that conversation in particular, I was really just genuinely curious.
1: No, like you as said, to, I as think... to what his thoughts were on it. I think because of the comment of like not being owed anything, I, I like you said. I think it was the perfect context of, and you even explained it like, and we explained it in the beginning of just it was so everything news cycle wise in the in the metal music cycle of news between blabbermouth and loudwire and, and everybody. And then, you know, me posting about it, which then got a lot of people talking and then other fellow podcasters commenting on it that we're friends with and so forth. So obviously it's, it's a big deal and it's, it's uncharted territory. We've not really experienced anything like this. Like I said, the closest we've really come outside of uh, whatever that death metal band was. I can't think of off the top of my head where the dude actually like killed the other or killed himself. And then that was the photo album or the album cover.
0: Oh, yeah, that was uh, mayhem.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say on top of that, though, the only time we've ever been able to kind of have something like this happen was Vince Neal killing Razzle uh, from Hanoi Rocks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's really the only circumstance I can think of that's kind of been remotely close to being the same. And obviously the the circumstances surrounding that are a little bit different, and obviously decades have gone by, and no one seems to really bat an eye or really say too too many things about that, negatively or otherwise. But um, that's really the only precedence we have for, for such a thing. So all of this is completely uncharted territory as far as I'm concerned, and that's that's kind of what makes it so interesting to keep talking about to me is – Just that day by day, new things can change and different people's perspectives can change because of new information or time or whatever different variables coming into play. Um, All that being said, we talked so much in the beginning, and this is a really heavy episode. Thanks to Dan uh, steering his way through the murky waters of uh, some of the topics that were discussed, but having a really raw and honest conversation. But I, I think this is as good as any as a place to start wrapping this up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like we were talking about with the touring stuff at the end or whatever, Zayo's trying to make it to your town, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Scott's been telling me for years, dude, we're going to come see you in St. Louis, we promise. But hey, if you want to find out more about Zayo and what they've got going on, you can head on over to... You can
1: head on over to Facebook at Zayo.Official, Instagram at zeoband, and Twitter at ZEO. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net. Uh, if you like to keep up with them on Facebook, you can find them at Facebook.com slash MetalNexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. Dan, where can people find you?
0: well you know what you can get on the old twitters and search for discuss metal dan and you can find me on facebook if you just type in daniel terry i promise i'll come up maybe and uh you can also find my other podcast discography discussion at discuss
1: and if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast you can find us on facebook at brutally speaking instagram and twitter are simply Bruce Speak pod don't forget to use those hashtags And Dan's very quickly going to tell you why it's important to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Okay,
0: so have you ever been scrolling through podcasts and you see at the very bottom, you know, like let's say you're listening to something like Talk To Me or Discography Discussion or Brutally Speaking. There's going to be, you know, this little recommended if you like at the bottom. And the way those recommendations come through is by people rating, reviewing the podcasts leaving a starred review or leaving a written review or both, both is preferable just because these egos aren't going to inflate themselves. So, you know, we're really looking for reviews because the likelihood of us coming up in a recommended, if you like, depends solely on how many people are listening and how many people have reached out to let those services know that they're listening. And the easiest way to do that is just to hit that subscribe button, hit that rating button, whatever you got to do. But, uh, That's just how podcasts work these days, and it is literally one of the best things you can do for us uh, that really helps us out and gives us an idea of how many people we have that are listening.
1: Absolutely. And on that note, we are going to end this episode. So for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I'm John.
0: And I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.